thousand dollars was okay. Who's next? Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Dead and Married. I'm your host, Ashley. And I'm Travis. And today we're going to be talking about the 1990 film Predator 2. We have come back full circle around to that one. And I'm very excited and a little sad because this is actually the last one in this franchise I'm going we're going to cover because, in my opinion, it's the last one that kind of feels like it could still be horror. Um, I know that's a pretty hot take and people probably, I mean, I know there's a lot of people that don't consider the original to be a horror movie so probably this one even more so but for me personally it's still (laughs) a horror movie but it is also the last one that had any moment in it at all that genuinely scared me so for me i think this is kind of the last real predator movie you know i mean so the one with adrian brody and it was pretty good Mm -hmm. and it doesn't exactly follow the formula to the first one and then this one does but it's pretty close I would say it follows the formula more of the first one than, that's, than the second one does, though. Agreed. But it definitely doesn't go the route that the Alien versus Predator oh, movies went. for fuck sure. And yeah. so, know, if you were going to do it as a trilogy, it'd be one, two, and then maybe that one. Yeah. Maybe. Uh-huh. The third one, definitely not a horror movie. I will agree with you that this one, it could still be a horror movie. And some people may not agree with that. But the first one, it feels pretty solid. Yeah. It's a, it's a sci-fi action horror movie. Yeah, that's exactly what this I was thinking. This is a it's sci-fi a, it's a hi- action it's horror a hybrid. movie. So. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I don't think anybody would disagree with you that Aliens is a horror movie. Well, they might. Yeah. But they okay. might be wrong, too. People, that's okay. People say that, well, I mean, some, that this is a hotly debated topic. Like, you'll hear people say that Alien is not a horror movie. But in my opinion, it's just because it's set in space doesn't make it not a horror movie at all. I mean, does that mean that Hellraiser Bloodline becomes a science fiction movie just because it takes place in space? I don't think so. No, but I'll tell you what. Here recently, because I'm, I'm not a social media guy, but with the release of Halloween Kills, I've spent a little bit more time on Twitter, right? Since we got our, our Twitter site, and I've spent a little bit more time on Facebook, kind of looking to see. And people get people have very strong emotions <laughs> about <laughs> no this kidding. sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, they get really bent about movies and what's in them and how they're classified and whether they're good or they're bad or they're whatever. And I think it's great. Everybody needs to have their own opinion, right? If everybody had the same opinion, it'd be a boring world. But right. they get really hostile about it. And this is one of I those know. topics where people get, they get nasty. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say predator okay but well I'm, just, I just since mean we've the debate been over whether what's a horror movie and what's not a horror movie but just since we've been reviewing Candyman was one this this uh this year's version and of course halloween kills and it's just gotten straight ugly out there i have friends that have been like completely just pummeled in the comment section for enjoying the movie and it's like the horror community is the greatest community in the world there's so many people that are welcoming and it's like that one time in your life when you finally find your tribe but at the same time they can also be the most vicious group of people too like <laughs> like star wars i mean it's just it, it can get really ugly out there and for what you know this is supposed to be something that brings us together not rips us apart well and they turn it into a personal attack a lot which i found interesting because this is more you were involved with this community before i was 
Uh-huh. And I found it interesting reading some of the comments, how they turn things. It, yeah, it gets very personal very, very quickly. But at, at any rate, we, we kind of got off topic, but not. <laughs> we did, but we didn't. Because for me, my, my definition for what's a horror movie is very, very simple. Does it scare me? Mm-hmm. Was the intention to scare me? If that was their intention and that's what it did, then that's what it is. That's a very good point. That's a good way to look at it. So, and I completely agree. And I'll, I'll, I've said it once. I'll say it again. Horror is subjective. Yeah, and I think it totally depends on the viewer. The viewer defines what a movie is. I mean, the studio can put a label on it. Critics can put a label on it. You can call it whatever you want to. But at the end of the day, the end user, the video, the the, the viewer, they determine what that movie is. Yeah, I mean, hell, you could you could say that The Wizard of Oz is a horror movie. You could say that uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is a horror movie just simply because there are elements in that movie and villains that they're not fucking around. They're because Johnny Depp to hurt as you. Willy Wonka <laughs> scares the shit out of me. I didn't say Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. I said Willy Wonka in the Charlie. <laughs> Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Is that not Johnny Depp? Whichever no, one with Johnny Depp. That's um That's creepy as hell. Oh. Gene But let's be honest. Gene whatever his name is. You're talking about Gene Wilder. Yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, but let, let's be honest though. If you took the very I'm last very tired. <laughs> yeah, if you took the very last Harry Potter movie and showed it to a young child. To them, that would be a horror movie because it's got some scary stuff in there. Right. For a child. Yeah. So. Especially when Voldemort looks like he was nuked in a microwave. True. (laughs) But for me personally, I still think that Predator 2 would be a horror movie. It doesn't scare me now. It doesn't scare me as an adult. But I know that if I had watched this as a 10-year-old, because I was 10 when this came out, and of course I didn't watch it because we didn't watch these kind of movies in our house, it probably would have just a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I would, sell, I would tell you that the first one didn't. The first one would not have scared me. The first one didn't scare me. But you know why? And this is, I'm going to throw this in here. You're not ready for it. <laughs> You're not. The first one didn't scare me because Arnold was in it. I, if Arnold's I, uh... in it, it's going to be okay. I gotcha, yeah. Because no matter what, they're never going to kill Arnold, unless it's Terminator. Well, to be fair, he killed himself. He did. <laughs> he went out on his own terms. Yes. But do you follow me? And yeah, I know you I and I have talked it. about this mm-hmm. offline before. Arnold is his own superhero. Yes. He's not Superman. He's not Batman. He's not the Flash. But he is his own superhero. Mm-hmm. And so this one's more scary because it's Danny Glover, not Arnold. And I think this would have been a completely different movie with Arnold in it. I know that people have said it would have been a better movie. It would have performed better. It would have sold more tickets, blah, blah, blah. It would have been a completely different movie with Arnold in it. Mm-hmm. Even if he had just straight up taken over the character of, of uh, Harrigan, mm-hmm. Danny Glover's character. And that's the other totally hotly different. debated topic, isn't because it? Because you feel differently about a character that Arnold plays versus a character that anyone else plays. Mm -hmm. And that's the other hotly debated topic, isn't it? People tend to shit on this movie just because Arnold didn't reprise his role. Yeah, but... I looked at an interview with uh, the director about the original opening, and he didn't go through the whole script about what Arnold was going to do. It sounded really bad. Mm -hmm. So I I wasn't there, (laughs) right? I didn't sit in the room and have the meetings and do the talking. Mm -hmm. But just reading what he said about how the opening was supposed to go when it included Arnold, even he supported Arnold's decision to stick with James Cameron and do T2. I'm... (laughs) I'm not going to lie. Him deciding to do T2 instead of Predator 2 was the best decision because T2 is, it's one of the best movies of all time. I mean, in my humble opinion. I would say that Arnold had a career before T2. I would say his 
his career went in a completely different direction after T2. He was already a, an action hero. That was he, him and his biggest, he arguably. He became a mega hero yes. after T2. Yes. And he needs to give all the credit in the world for James Cameron. Because apparently James Cameron is the one who said, you have to choose. You're either going to do this movie or you're going to do Predator 2. You have to pick. I'm not going to let you do both. Yeah. He chose T2. And so that's the crossroads yeah, right there. And his career arguably became bigger for doing that film. It would not have done it and had he, he chosen was this movie. I, I just... At his most badass in that movie ever. Yeah. You know, I would say Predator, but mm, no. <laughs> Terminator 2 was him at his most badass. I think Predator was the first movie where people went, holy shit, this guy can do this. Because after that, it was Commando. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it? I, I don't know. I'd have to I look at the dates. I think it was Predator and then Commando. Or maybe it's switched up. And those are big movies and they're cult favorites now, but they weren't necessarily then, right? But T2 is when it put him in the mainstream. It has, his name, it has his name on it. It had James Cameron's name on it. It had Linda Hamilton in it. It's huge. Mm-hmm. It was a blockbuster. And like they ruled the world with that movie when it came out yeah and that's really what said it this this was it like i said this was the crossroads yeah and and his decision to stick with james cameron and do that that's what changed it but i feel like we got way off topic here (laughs) well the topic we were talking about is how movies can be highly debated on whether it's good or not based on bullshit reasoning i I feel like people could take it way too personally and i feel like just because he did he did not um take this role again does not mean it's a bad movie on general principle this movie well, gets a lot of shit, in, in my opinion, for no good reason. Because I've heard the reasons that people give for not liking this movie. And I don't feel like those arguments hold any water. I feel like this had... I'm not going to say it's a better movie. But I think that from a writing and a story development standpoint, all of those things, when you put them together, this movie had to be better put together with a better cast overall. Better acting overall. Because Arnold wasn't in it. Now, don't get me wrong. I love a pre- I love Predator. I love Jesse Ventura. I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. I feel like that you could not have gotten a better cast for that movie at that time. However, this movie had to be better because it wasn't Arnold. Does that make sense? I'm not saying that critically in, in the box office it came out better. I'm saying that you had to have, because you didn't have Arnold to prop it up, right? <laughs> because he was not the Atlas that was going to hold this thing on his shoulders. You needed to have better actors. You had to have a better script. You had to have a more complicated storyline in order for it to just support itself because it couldn't rest on him. To quote Malcolm McDowell in H2. Let's make things nice and sparkly clear. Oh my gosh. <laughs> hey. hey, are you boss okay? Hello. Fine. Yeah. How are you? Predator is always the superior movie. That is why it's my favorite film of all time. It's just the better film in the entire franchise. It's the best film. I'm not making an argument for Predator 2 being better. I'm making an argument for Predator 2 being a worthy sequel. I guess what I'm saying is not that Predator 2 is better than the original. I'm with you in that camp. Predator number one is better, will always be better in my mind, in my opinion, than Predator 2. However, if you look at plot development, story, acting, script, all of that's better in Predator 2 than it was in Predator 1. Because in the first Predator, all they had to do was follow Arnold around. That's all they had to do. They killed off some of the people I liked the most. They killed off Jesse Ventura was the first one to die. Fuck those guys for killing him first. I'll just I'll just get it out there. By the way, guess what I did, guys? I totally went and bought me a sexual Tyrannosaurus t-shirt this week. <laughs> I said I was going to do it, and I finally fucking did it, so. I think that's fantastic. I'm so excited to wear it. I'm excited for you to wear it, because that might do something for me, too. (laughs) Okay, okay, calm down. (laughs) Relax. But you know what I mean? Like, there really wasn't a lot of dialogue in the first one. It was, it was, it was... 
I can go back and listen to our review. The whole movie was Get to the Chopper. And I love that movie. Okay? I do. But there's more dialogue in this film. There's more complex shots in this film. Like, they had to do a lot of extra. I guess that's my point. They Uh had to do a lot of extra to make up for him not being there. Well, we'll get into Stephen Hopkins' direction in this film. Because, in my opinion, I feel like it was just tremendous. The guy had had a great background. Well, and not just that. He had Joel Silver. Joel Silver was one of the producers. And apparently, Joel Silver came and fought for this movie. Because I guess this was a Fox film. And Fox had had issues with Joel because of a movie he'd done before. And they had issues with Stephen Hopkins because of a film that he'd done before with the whole ratings thing. And so they were basically busting his balls like it was kind of personal. And I guess Joel Silver went to bat for him and he was just fighting the hell out of everybody. Mm-hmm. Metaphorically speaking, not literally putting up his dukes and fighting people. but Well, if you're speaking in terms... Cause I- <laughs> I can't recall anything Stephen Hopkins did before Predator 2, except for Nightmare on Elm Street 5. And yes, that was one that the ratings board just completely tore apart. But Stephen Hopkins in an interview he did with, uh, I think it was Scream Factory, something like that. I've got it in my notes. I'll have to look it up. But anyway, he was doing an interview and he felt like it was kind of personal with Fox and Joel Silver fought it out with them. Like he said, that's basically what he did. He was fighting for him and he was fighting Die Hard 2 at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the production, believe it or not, was not as troubled in this as all the Halloween movies that we just did. But it was Rennie Harlan that did Die Hard 2, by the way, which the reason, you know, you're thinking Nightmare on Elm Street is because Rennie Harlan did Nightmare on Elm Street. Street 4. I wasn't thinking anything about Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, you brought up Die Hard, but it wasn't Stephen Hopkins who directed that No, no, film. no. Die Hard 2 was filming at the same time. Oh, okay. And Joel, okay, Silver, I see. And Joel Silver was producing them both. I see. And both of them were Fox Pictures. Mm-hmm. And so he was having to fight on two fronts. He was fighting for both movies. So, And, and the fact that Arnold wasn't in this one was something that Joel Silver had to fight for. Gotcha. But at any rate, I feel like in this one, we're going to finally answer the question, or I'll just go ahead and answer it for you. <laughs> it's all been leading up to this, guys. I've been asking this question. <laughs> is Danny Glover a good actor? We, and I've got to say, yes. We had yes, this brought up on another podcast that we listened to, and that was one of their questions. Is Danny Glover a good actor? Is he, though? And so... <laughs> We just thought that was so funny because, I mean, when I think of Danny Glover, I of course Predator 2 comes to mind first, but immediately after that is the color purple. You know, it's not Lethal Weapon, e- even though, you know, it probably would be most people. But for me, it's the color purple. And I would say, yes, he is a great actor with a lot of range. Yeah, and... And he, he brought new nuances to the character of Mike Kerrigan that Arnold didn't have because Arnold, again, was that superhero persona. He didn't have to have it. And yeah. I guess that's kind of my point earlier, is that there were a lot of things that this movie had to have because when you put Arnold in a movie, you don't have to have it anymore. Right. You don't have to have a guy who gets hurt and can believably continue on. He can fight through the pain because, of course, Arnold can. He's mm-hmm. Arnold. Right. You know what I mean? You don't have to have a guy who, who struggles under the weight of his responsibility because you've got Arnold. And mm-hmm. Arnold doesn't struggle under the weight of anything. Right. You know what I mean? So you've got to have a lot more depth to a movie that doesn't have him in it. Having Arnold in a movie simplifies a hell of a lot of things. <laughs> and that's not just because I'm an Arnold fan. But anyway. But yeah, to, to get back to the Danny Glover point, he is. He's a good actor. I mean, you think about the act he had to follow. He he had to follow Arnold in this movie. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody. That's like trying to follow after Zeppelin. Nobody follows after Zeppelin. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like even the Rolling Stones would wet themselves if they had to follow <laughs> Zeppelin. But 
that's not the point. It was tough. And if you look at his filmography and whether you classify Predator 2 as a horror movie or not, Danny Glover has got a huge range. He's done a ton of different kinds of movies. He's done action. He's done sci-fi. He's done drama. He's done some comedy. The guy's done everything. So to answer my own question, yes, I feel that Danny Glover is a good actor. Okay, so real quick, just to kind of recap, uh, this movie came out in 1990. It hasn't been, it wasn't necessarily well received, right? And I think a lot of that had to do with Arnold. And I feel like that's really unfair. I think this is a better movie than they originally thought it was was. Does that make sense? Because they looked at the first one and they said Arnold's in it, this next one and Arnold's not in it, so it automatically got a bad rap because he wasn't in it. So on IMDb, it's got a 6.3 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes, it's 30%, which I disagree with. Metacritic is a 46, which is a little better. I could see it being a 50-50, potentially. You either like this movie or you don't. But critically, didn't do well. Ian Nathan with Empire said it was more story-led than original, uh, more story-led than the original with a high enough body count to make it satis- a satisfying action movie. Destin Thompson with the Washington Post said there is so much violence as gangs kill gangs gangs or gangs kill cops or the predator kills all of them that it's hard to watch without the brain succumbing to self-protective numbness i don't feel like that's a fair review and then owen gleiberman with entertainment weekly said the whole noisy movie is really just a setup for the climactic duel between renegade cop danny glover and the monster by that point you are pathetically grateful for a few stomach churning special effects oh please i just don't feel good about those reviews no and we watched a thing where well, actually, it was the original, I guess, review from Siskel and Ebert. And they just shit all oh, over this Oh, my movie. God. Like, okay. <laughs> There's a, an obvious generational gap between me and you know, us and our children. You know, whereas we stand firm on certain things and our kids are like, oh, my God, okay, you're such a millennial. I couldn't help but do the same thing in listening to their review of this. I was like, okay, boomer. <laughs> And that is not something that I do. Easy now. Ever. But (laughs) that was the first thought I had because their review didn't seem like they really studied the film. It seemed like they were just being prudish. It's a lot like some of the reviews that we've watched on YouTube about Halloween Kills. There were things that people just zeroed in on and it's like, did you really watch the movie? Right. And it was the same thing listening to them talk about Predator 2. Like, did you actually watch the movie? Exactly. Or did you just see 10 minutes of it or so that you didn't like? And so that's what you're zeroing in on. And you're saying the whole movie's crap because you didn't actually watch the movie. Or you went and prepared. This was not a movie you wanted to see anyway. It wasn't your cup of tea, maybe. And so you were going in there with the mindset to pick out all the things you didn't like as opposed to focusing in on the things you did like. Yeah. And, and I'll go back to Halloween Kills again, just because that's the that's the hot button right now. And of course, by the time this episode comes out, it probably won't be. But I liked it better the second time I watched it. Because mm-hmm. the second time we watched it at home and had like, there's no distractions. There's no theater. There's no popcorn. There's no Coke. And I could really, really watch it. And my opinion changed a little bit. And if I watched it again, my opinion may change a little more. And the more times you watch it, it may change a little more. So I guess that's kind of my point in this one is that it feels like a lot of the critics that zeroed in on the specific things that they didn't like in this movie. Did they give it a once over? They found the one thing they didn't like and they just tuned out for the rest of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like they didn't give it a fair shake. That's what I'm saying. Well, they, there was one in particular that just got under my skin really bad. And it was saying um, they were knocking on the treatment of women in this film. And I don't understand that at all. Maria Conchita, Alonzo's character, was so fucking badass. Like, Yeah, what part did she get mistreated? Because she didn't take <sighs> shit from anybody. Exactly. So I'm not... I mean, and they weren't talking about women badly. They never once made a derogatory statement about any woman in this film. And there's one scene where a woman is having consensual sex. And she's on top. Exactly. That's the position of power. Everybody knows it. I'm telling you. <laughs> so I don't know where they got that. Yeah. Like I, That's why I said, what, what fucking movie did you watch? I don't know. But anyway, so let's get through the cast and crew. I'll try to do this quick. 
So it was directed by Stephen Hopkins. We already said that. He also did Nightmare on Elm Street 5. And he did the Dark Tower TV movie that was supposed to come out last year and it never did. Sucks. And I looked at the cast and the cast was really good. Like, I'm really disappointed that we never got to see that. so disappointed. Um, Because I think that one had potential. Mm -hmm. But anyway, and it would have focused on Song of Susanna. Unless you haven't read, unless you've read the Dark Tower, that makes, doesn't make any sense to you at all. But it seemed to be looking at the cast that that's probably what it was centered on, which is, is the only book that could probably stand alone in that series but song of Susanna, i would have thought wizard and glass just... wizard and glass yes. sorry <laughs> sorry 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 yes wizard and glass which is fine because it's probably the only book in the series that could stand alone sort of right anyway so we have kevin peter hall who returns as the predator um he's done he's done a couple things he did the first predator obviously and he was also harry in harry and the hendersons love that movie and and sadly kevin peter hall passed away six months or so after this film was That's finished so which sucks because the guy he seemed like I, such a sweet guy he did and there was an interview where he even he even kind of joked about it that he's only the only thing he ever did in movies was monsters which sucks because i don't know he seemed like a really good all the interviews we saw with him he seemed like a really good guy so a gentle kind of, giant and he was really young too i want to say he mm-hmm. was in his 30s so which for our kids in your 30s is not young you're old as shit by then <laughs> but realistically pretty young. Danny Glover. I'm not going to talk about the movies he's done because everybody knows about <laughs> Lethal Weapon um, and The Color Purple and there's been a whole bunch of other ones. But what we might not know, what I didn't know, is that he was a goodwill ambassador for the United Nations Development Program from 1998 to 2004. No shit. And he's a UNICEF ambassador. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's amazing. It's kind of like finding out that there were governors in the first Predator movie. <laughs> You got uh, Gary Busey. He plays Peter Keys. He is... Crazy. Your primary <laughs> asshole. Because he's not really an antagonist in this movie. He's just kind of a jerk. People... Gary Busey was in the first Lethal Weapon movie with... Uh, Danny uh, Glover. Danny Glover. So yeah. they already knew each other coming in. And just a fact that I didn't know. He was born in Texas. Huh, I didn't... Yeah, I didn't know that either. He's a Texas boy. Huh. Crazy as hell, too. <laughs> Explains a lot, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Some um, people got, say I'm crazy. You've got the guy with the coolest name ever. Reuben Blades. I believe that's pronounced Blades. I'm going to call him Reuben Blades. <laughs> it sounds fake, but... <laughs> that's because it's Blades. <laughs> he plays Danny... Archuleta. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I, I would have got, got that all wrong. <laughs> so he plays Danny. Uh, and I think most people are going to recognize him from Fear of the Walking Dead. Yeah, uh, He's done maybe. a ton he of work. He wasn't in there for that long. The guy's got a ton of work. He's usually a supporting character, though, so I would understand if people didn't rec- recognize him immediately. But most modern, most current audiences, if they recognize this guy, it's going to be from Fear of the Walking Dead. Maria Conchita Alonzo plays Leona Cantrell. Obviously, she starred with Arnold in The Running Man. Love her. And she's done a ton of different stuff. And she's a badass in every movie. She don't take shit from nobody in any movie she's in. Well, even in, uh, she was in The Lords of Salem, and she didn't have a, a huge part in that and she didn't she wasn't the badass kind of character I'm used to her playing but she's still in dialogue alone she's still that fiery latina that i love so much yeah me too <laughs> i'm saying <laughs> me too uh bill paxton plays jerry lambert and he was born in fort worth just of course 30 yes. miles down the road from us which is mm-hmm. awesome and he's been a ton of stuff so isn't he the only one to do predator alien and terminator he's been killed by all three monsters so that's quite a resume to have. Nope, nobody else can say that. Yeah, he and it's so sad thinking, that he's not with us anymore either. No, he he really is. He's the only person that can say that. Yeah. So I mean, he's he was a, he was a tremendous actor. Like I <laughs> don't laugh at me. I actually in his days of Twister, he was one of my boyfriends when I was a teenager. So <laughs> I watched the hell out of Twister. Oh God, that movie's fucking good. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't watch it for him. 
<laughs> watched it for Helen Hunt. Of course. <laughs> no, you watched it for Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> well, he was pretty damn funny. The suck zone. <laughs> it was before he went nuts. But anyway, you got Robert Davy. Davy? Davy? Robert. I think it's Davy. Whatever. You got Robert. Um, he plays Captain Phil Heineman, and really, you may know him from somewhere. I just know he's Maniac Cop, Maniac Cop two and three. He was in Maniac Cop. Two I was and gonna three. say I don't think he's because they, it was that other actor that had no, the no, jacked no. up face. He wasn't the Maniac. Cop, yeah, <laughs> but he was in Maniac Cop two and three. I don't want to yeah. get confused here. Adam Baldwin's in it because you got to put a f- Baldwin in everything. He's he's not one of those Baldwins. No he's got relation. The same last name. He's a Baldwin. Yes. So. <laughs> He plays Garber, who is not quite a throwaway character, but pretty close. If you recognize him at all, you're going to recognize him as... In the Whedonverse. From, from Angel, he was in... Firefly. Josh I would say I would say more people know him from Firefly than Angel. Which Firefly was awesome, and they should have kept going with that. I'm just saying. Couldn't get uh, into it. Kent McCord plays Captain Pilgrim. Morton Downey Jr. plays Tony Pope. Actually, Morton Downey Jr. just plays Morton Downey Jr. He plays himself, yeah. Because there was the Morton Downey Jr. show that ran for like one year, and he was an inflammatory dick, and so it got canceled and then a few years later they did another one just called Downey and he acted like an asshole some more and I think it ran for like a year and they canceled it too so this is Morton Downey Jr. just being Morton Downey Jr. but technically his name in this movie is Tony Pope and then Calvin Lockhart plays King King Willie and I included him in here because Calvin Lockhart's been in a lot of stuff he's been in stuff that I didn't even realize he was in Mm -hmm. so when we were watching this movie taking notes I saw King Willie and I was like god damn it I know this guy and I can't put a finger on it like I don't where in the hell have I seen this guy before and then I figured it out he was in Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Fire sure Walk was. With Me. He was the electrician. That's right. That's where I've seen him before. <laughs> so that's pretty much it for the cast. I didn't get crazy on this. Again, if they didn't have horror cred, basically, I just didn't look. So anyway, that's about it. You want to do the spoiler warning and just spoil the shit out of this movie? <laughs> I'm ready. Not like anybody hasn't seen it. I mean, it's fucking 30 I'm ready. Old. Come here. Come here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so bad. <laughs> And now it's time for your obligatory spoiler warning. We don't just spoil movies here, they are spoiled rotten. So listen at your own risk or turn back now. They say you want to talk to me about the one that's doing all the killing. Okay, so before you talk about the original opening of this movie, I just want to real quick talk about how this movie could have gone. So in an interview that Stephen Hopkins did with Scream Magazine, the original opening was supposed to be that these guys are playing golf on a golf course. A helicopter lands, and there's a guy with white hair playing golf, and they come and say, he's back. And Arnold turns around, and he's the one with white hair with a scar on his face, and Danny, he and Danny Glover were going to team up in this movie and in hindsight i'm so glad they didn't do that agree so how did we what did we really get (laughs) let's get started what did we really get what was the opening (laughs) okay well to open the film proper uh we get this shot of what looks like the jungle so you think it's gonna be old hat we're gonna start exactly the way we are but we are not it actually pans up to los angeles in 1997 so we're dealing with a different kind of jungle this time the concrete jungle (laughs) and we come up on i see what you did there We come up on, and, and, and we're seeing this all through predator vision or, you know, uh, thermal vision. And you start, you see the city, you know, the, the landscape and all that. But then when you start seeing gunfire. So when we get to our point of view, it looks like all out war is breaking out on the streets. And it is, it's between Colombian cartel and police officers. And there's not really much to tell in this particular scene. This is just a big action sequence, really. So yeah, we just see a bunch of 
back and forth fire between the two parties and we get introduced to, oh, uh, I, I should also point out that the press is a big thing in this film too. There's a lot of focus on the press. And in the midst of all this warfare, there's a bunch of journalists out here writing the shit, talking about everything that's going on. And actually it makes me laugh because there's one lady who's trying to give the story and then she's like, fuck this, get me out of here. <laughs> yeah, they almost made it look like they were, um, oh, like like uh, like a desert storm. If you were old enough to remember Desert Storm, I was. Or Vietnam, you had the War of Reporters, Mm -hmm. right? So they were kind of like that. They were right in the middle of it in the firefight with everybody else. Yeah. But at this time, we get introduced to our main cast of characters. We've we've got Mike Harrigan, played by Danny Glover, as we said before. And then we have Danny, played by Ruben Blades. And then we have um, Leona, played by uh, Maria Conchita Alonso. And those are for right now anyway. That's our main group. And this is basically just kind of where we establish who Mike Harrigan is as a character, which is a badass. I mean, um, we'll get into more about his personality quirks and stuff throughout, but for now, in the meantime, kind of see that he has that whole cowboy thing to him. Well, I didn't take it as cowboy. I mean, when he rolls up there, they tell him, like, there's two wounded officers out there in the front, and they tried to get to him with those guys with the shields, and of course, the the cartel, what's his name? Scorpion guy, or whatever. Mm -hmm. I forget how he was credited, but he uh, shoots a grenade launcher, because they've got grenade launchers. <laughs> and uh, takes out the two guys that are that have got the shields that were going to get the two wounded officers. So this is, Harrigan decides, I'm going to go get them. So it's not really cowboy, right? He was trying to save two fellow police officers. Yeah. He just kind of went about it in a very John Wayne kind of way. <laughs> yeah, he's like, <laughs> he's like going through a car, like he's driving this car, like through the gunfire. He's hanging out of the side of the car. Like you established pretty early on that this, this guy is just total badass and i buy it i'm sorry i buy it yeah i mean he knocks the door off of his squad <laughs> car and yeah. hangs uh bulletproof vests on the windows on the passenger side yeah and the predator's watching him the whole time right yeah like if i'm i'm remembering this correctly like the predator's doing his predator vision and watching harrigan do all this shit yeah he's watching him for the rooftops almost like he's singling him out and I, I don't know if the predator i mean yes it is established that he basically goes on safari ever however many years However, I feel like this is a Michael Myers, Laurie Strode situation, okay? Hear me out. So I feel like he went, the predator went with the intent of doing one thing, but then he saw Mike and that was pretty much it. He was like, this is the guy. This is, this is a worthy adversary. I feel like he was looking for a worthy opponent, sort of. Because in the first one, you don't really, like, yes, you get the predator who's hunting people. But all the people, basically, that he runs into are badasses. Arnold and Jesse Ventura and all these guys, they're all badasses in their own right. In this one, it's a different predator, obviously, because the other one died. But he's looking for a worthy adversary. And I think this is where maybe he decides that he found it. Because this is the movie that really establishes their code of conduct, I guess. Yeah. Their, yeah, their yeah. code, their honor system. Yeah. Sort of. The, and that's one thing I like about this story is I feel like it took what was great about the original and it expanded upon that lore and gave some so much more scope to it but that's just me i guess yeah well a lot of this came out of the comic books right because there were a lot of there were several comics that were written between the first one Mm -hmm. and this one Mm -hmm. and so it pulled lore from there too yeah which i find fantastic because it's not uncommon to have you know your first entry in a in a franchise and then a second entry in a franchise and there are a few years between and they don't really tie together or they get loose ends like halloween where they have to try to make shit up to tie it together but fortunately for us as, as an audience you had those comics that came right on the heels of the first predator movie to 
recreate the lore mm-hmm. so that Predator 2 could kind of seamlessly blend it. And it just so happens that our director is a huge comic book fan and a great storyboard artist and visual director. And so he set all this stuff up just almost like that, almost like a comic book in a sense. It worked. Yeah. But at some point, this gunfire with the cartel makes its way indoors. Okay. So (laughs) this always makes me laugh because we have so much cocaine in this scene. Like these guys are getting all Tony Montana in here, just like picking up a handful of coke and rubbing it in their wounds. They're like throwing it in their face. I mean, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. So this is where Danny and uh, Lorena show up, right? With Leona. Leona. What I say? Lorena. Fuck, this is going to be another Donald Loomis situation. <laughs> I'm never going to get her name right. <laughs> Donald Pleasance. Um, <laughs> I fucked that up like six God times. Damn me, Michael. <laughs> I know. But this is where they're all they're all together, right? When they go into this part that you're about to talk about. Did you notice the number of attachments on every weapon in this sequence? I did because you very, like, you had to point it out okay. to me. Okay, so all the cartel <laughs> guys, they're all using iron sights or they're using the integrated optics. Because, like, there are a couple guys running around with augs which have a built-in scope and the carry handle. Anyway, but, like, Harrigan's pistol has got a scope on it. Maria, uh, Lorena? Leona. Leona. <laughs> She's going to be Lorena. Donald Pleasance. Yes. <laughs> Leona, hers has got like a laser sign on it. Danny's has got a flashlight on the bottom of it. Every cop has got a laser sign or a scope on their gun. They've got all these attachments. Even the shotgun that Harrigan pulls out of his trunk, trunk of his car, has got a fucking laser sight on it. Mm-hmm. Why do you need a laser sight on a shotgun? And it goes through the whole movie like that. Even when uh, Bill Paxton's character shows up, he's got like shit hanging off of his. I don't know how they carried him around. Maybe that's how weapons are going to be in the future. That is 1997. Yeah, we don't know oh, what it's going to. Oh shit! I forgot. This is in the future. We don't know what it's going to be like in 1997. I mean, True come on. Statement: This is 1997. It's the future. So maybe everybody's got laser sights on their gun. <laughs> so anyway, I just thought that was interesting. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> anyway, uh, but we start to see that the Colombian cartel, they're getting picked off. And, of course, we know what's going on. But Mike and team, they don't have any clue what's going on. So, after the fact, there's just a, a standoff between Harrigan and the main leader of, of this... Uh, Scarface. Yeah, of Well, because he has that Scarface moment where he, like, stuffs his face <laughs> yeah. in a bowl of cocaine. <laughs> yeah. But um, they end up on a rooftop of the building... That that they were in and um, it looks to Harrigan like the guy's firing on him but we see that he's looking behind Harrigan so way the fuck behind him and so Harrigan opens fire on him and kills him but we see that the guy was actually firing at the predator and because we also established that in this version of Los Angeles there's a really bad heat wave going on Harrigan sees something which we know to be the camouflage of the predator but he thinks because of the heat And because he's terrified of heights, he thinks he's just seeing shit. So he kind of brushes it off. He he does draw his weapon like he sees something. But then he's like, oh, okay, well, it's hot. I'm scared. <laughs> so, you know, he just brushes it off. But they go to look at the aftermath and they've got bodies hung up and everybody's fucking dead. And they're like, what What the hell? Like, who who did this? And, you know, I mean, what's her name? Leona even says it. She's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, well, and there's that one point where Danny, because Danny seems to be the most sort of intuitive or 
he's got the best detective skills, right? Because he goes into that room and sees the blood going up the wall, and he actually follows it. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And he t- and there's the body hanging up there. Yeah, and he's basically and he saying, tells, no guy could have done this. And he this. tells Harrigan, even you couldn't have drugged that guy up there. I'm telling you, this isn't a man. Oh, God. <laughs> We're done with the Halloween movies. Okay. Like, you got me invested, and then you Sorry. ripped them right out I from under me. I don't know what to do with my life now that the Halloween reviews are over. Well, we didn't cover them all. <laughs> and you got me... You, we you have did. for a while. <laughs> you got me all invested, and now I kind of want to just finish it. Like, <laughs> fuck it. I, I went halfway. I need I need to finish it. And you're like, no, we're doing Predator 2. <laughs> anyway, so we're going to see this a lot through the film, but Harrigan is basically getting reprimanded for every single thing that he is doing with his job. And while he's getting his ass chewed, and I don't know who this guy was. It wasn't his captain. It was like another guy, the, the part that Robert Dabby play, Dobby right. plays. He's, I think he's the commission. <clears throat> please police chief maybe he's the police chief I don't, i'm not sure i don't know that it ever clearly states what his role is maybe it does and i just didn't care but we know that harrigan has a boss and that this is his boss and that's boss. a captain and that's his boss's boss yeah so as he's getting his ass chewed we see that this squad is starting to show up and it looks like a bunch of suits and you get the idea that they're feds but they're told it's the dea and basically they're investigating all the all the gang violence that's going on right yeah, now yeah but they're smiths you get keys shows up gary Busey. Well, not really at this point yet. We don't really get our proper, proper introduction to him yet. We just see a bunch of guys in suits starting to show up. Well, they're not in suits. They're like, they all have the same jacket. You know what I mean. They've all got the same polo shirt. They've all got the same shades. Yes. They're Smiths. But then we uh, we cut to the police department and <laughs> always cracks me up. We got this kind of very Rico Suave song going on. <laughs> but um, we see that inside the police department. It reminds me of RoboCop. In what way? The police department scene. Because it's just chaos in there. I, no, I wouldn't say to this degree. Not this bad. Yeah. I kept waiting for somebody to say, I will offend again. <laughs> I, I, what you call a repeat offender. <laughs> Right, though? I mean, it's, it's... I swear to God, I wish RoboCop was a horror movie. We would so cover it. <laughs> it could it's, it could fall in the same category as this one, really. Uh, no, it can't. <laughs> Melting man hit by a car. <laughs> no, it's... I'm afraid that one is action. Well, maybe we need to save that for when we finally get a Patreon set up. I couldn't agree more. But at any rate, we see that this police department is just in complete disarray. There's people being arrested all over the place, booked and interrogated, and there's hookers around. Like, it's, yeah, it's just complete chaos in there. No police station's complete without hookers. And it looks like their air conditioning isn't working. Like, everybody's sweating profusely. There's a lot of sweat in this movie. (laughs) It's a very dirty-looking movie. (laughs) It really is. But, yeah, this is the point now where Keys is properly introduced, and basically, Harrigan's captain's telling him, look, you got to let these guys do their job and we need to cooperate to our fullest capability and basically just do what you're told at this point. And Keyes even says, look, we're not trying to step on your toes. Just kind of, you know, if we work together, I'm sure we can, we can solve this thing. But they're, they're trying to get all the information they can so they could stop King Willie, which is the leader of the Jamaican cartel. I couldn't tell in this segment if Danny Glover didn't believe him or just didn't give a shit. Um, It could go either way. Yeah. Because he was very patronizing in a very fuck you kind of way. Yeah, he was. It was awesome. Cooperation (laughs) is my middle name. Isn't that what he said? Yeah. But meanwhile, we have Bill Paxton who has now showed up. And he keeps trying to get Harrigan's attention. and, And Harrigan's like, later, later, later. 
and so he just kind of is making his rounds around the department and he's talk mostly talking to women not in a derogatory way he's just telling them these little bullshit stories and once Harrigan gets done talking and he's going to his office Lambert tries to stop him again and he's like oh my god like <laughs> just I'll talk to you later and so he and Danny they're in their office and they're they're discussing what's going on and Danny tells him he's like no this is the new guy and he's like oh okay this is our transfer I thought he was here to fix air conditioning well, they call him the Lone Ranger <laughs> yes from some place that's better than downtown Los Angeles <laughs> yeah I don't remember exactly where they said he was from but it yeah. was from a place that's clearly better yeah and then this is where I mean, if he, if you didn't get a good enough introduction of Leona in the first, you know, 10 minutes of being out there shooting up with everybody else, uh, guns, I mean, not drugs, <laughs> but this part sets her up as the most best, I can't even describe it, badass of this movie. And basically... Lambert is telling her the stupid bullshit story about a woman killing her husband and she's like oh right you're the guy that got your partner killed and then just grabs him by the junk. Twist his dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Twist his dick. And basically like don't you ever try that cowboy shit with me or you can kiss these goodbye. So where did they get that whole the treatment of women in this movie? That's what I'm saying. I don't like, get it. You need to be afraid of the women in this movie. <laughs> exactly. Like she's so fucking cool. Yeah. So when Lambert finally does make it to the office, um, Harrigan gives him basically the talk like, you know, I know that you're good at your job, but we can't have you pulling the cowboy cowboy shit. shit. Yeah. Like we all work as a team. We're better as a team. The door swings both ways. If you ever need us, we're here. Just basically setting up. And I feel like this is one thing about the movie that they did do right was the rapport between all of, between this team is really great. I mean, they, it does seem like these are all people who have worked together for a very long time. Time. You know, know know the ins and outs of each other's personalities. This is something they did really well in both movies, was the team building. Like in the first Predator, you really bought it that those guys had served together for a while. You know, Arnold and his team. And in this one, I, I buy it. Yeah. Maybe I'm an easy sell. I don't know, but I like it. And upon um, parting ways, he tells them, welcome to the war. So while they were having that conversation, did you notice that, yes, we talked about everybody being sweaty, that Bill Paxton had actually sweated armpit stains into <laughs> his sport coat. How hot was it? Like, why are people wearing sport coats in that kind of weather? How do you sweat enough to make armpit <laughs> stains in a sport coat? God almighty, that guy needs some water. Anyway, Sorry. <laughs> So we cut to the next scene and we're in a high rise building and we get this kind of very gratuitous sex scene, which is not commonplace really in the Predator series. It was a lot more graphic than I expected it to be, particularly for when this movie was made. Right. And I'm guessing this is between the leader of the Colombians. Yes. And I I don't know if this is girlfriend, his wife, um, somebody. A porn star. (laughs) In real life, but not in the film. Yes. It's not established what she is in the film. But um, at any rate, they're they're getting down with get down, like I always say. And all of a sudden, the Jamaicans bust in and break it up. And they end up stringing the guy up upside down. And it looks like they're going to perform a voodoo killing, style killing on him. They got a bunch of candles up underneath his body. They've got the girl kind of, I don't want to say tied up, but they basically just got a hold of her. They got and, a restrained yeah. sort of. 
and they start like to cut him up like they're gonna do this thing and then we get a line from one of the guys you know and he's basically telling him King Willie wants him dead and but he says you know what I always say shit happens and that's a line that comes up multiple times in this movie and as he's starting to be cut up the predator then shows up and he just proceeds to completely massacre this whole group of people excluding the girl and we see that he's got some pretty cool new gadgets in his repertoire (laughs) a new toy (laughs) i I like new toys (laughs) yeah he uh okay maybe i'll stop quoting robocop but no promises but yeah he's got like the combi spear believe that's what they call it and then he's got they call it a smart disc because it's it's like this big disc he throws that it's completely sharp all the way around but it it's kind of like a boomerang in that when he throws it, it it more or less does what he tells him to do well it can return to him yeah yeah it's it's so cool so i am in the net i am a devout collector of toys and i have a quarter scale predator and it's from this movie so when i got it i got the spear and i got the disc and i was so happy about it so it's it's in our bedroom because i'm a child and yeah off topic <laughs> in the net you forgot the net the net yes i believe out and it yeah, i don't recall them using the net in the first one he did no not in the first movie but yeah this is the first time you see it yeah and it's basically once he throws this net at you and it kind of goes around you uh engulfs you it tightens to the point of it just cutting through your it's skin it's like piano wire or something and it cuts it's like a cheese wire yeah that's what it does yeah and then after the fact harrigan and his team show up to investigate even though he's kind of told not to they tell him don't go in there you know let the feds handle it and he's all like yeah 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 sure but then he tells his team we didn't hear that (laughs) so he goes in and he starts investigating and this time the bodies are not only hung but they're skinned with the exception of the colombian leader but the girl like i said has been left and so they're like, okay, well, it's not the Colombians because they're all dead. And like, what what's going on? So basically they conclude that they've got a new player in town, right? So then Keys shows up at this point and because um, Harrigan is stuck his nose where he didn't belong and he pretty much tells him that in a weird way. Everything Gary Busey says is weird. <laughs> yeah, but he's basically telling him like, look, this is our, you know. This is my show, stay out of it. Yeah. Exactly. So, bun- bunch of dick measuring going on here. But um, he, Harrigan is at this point, he's starting to already see that Keys may not be what he appear. And he even outright asks him, and he's like, who the hell are you, Keys? And then we get um, his, Keys' main crony played by uh, Adam Baldwin. He's like, last person in the world you want to fuck with. And I'm like, okay, one, I'm not scared of Gary Busey. <laughs> Maybe, well, maybe, maybe scared for different reasons, but at the character of Keys, no, nothing to be afraid of whatsoever. And Harrigan asks Lambert to tail him from that point, like, see what they're doing, see what they're up to. Because surveillance is his specialty. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, at this point, he's starting to really doubt that they're with DA. So he also sends Danny to go back and reinvestigate after the fact. Well, he says, meet him back here at one or whatever. And he tells him no cowboy shit when they're talking that's what he tells danny but then danny goes in and of course what what happens happens but yeah i just i the cowboy shit threw me because i yeah. thought that was more lambert than danny so. no that's what harrigan tells danny when huh. they're having their little yeah you know off to the side conversation and meanwhile you know anytime that there's a scene with danny we see that he's got this little tick he's he wears this necklace and he's always like putting his fingers under it and kind of playing with it and stuff it's and almost like a rosary for it, him i mean it's not a rosary yeah but. it just seems like it's one of those nervous tick things but it's obviously being made obvious to us as an audience that there's something about this necklace 
us and they want us to they want it to get our attention and lambert ends up coming back and saying that he he lost them but harrigan wants him to keep on stay with him keep seeing what they're up to and then as danny goes back later and he's checking out the scene they came across this spear earlier the spear tip thing i don't i don't they never say exactly what it's called but it's just like this little weird prong thing and danny ends up finding it and it's stuck to a vent and he climbs up to go get it but as he is we see that one of the tricks that has followed us from the original film is that the predator is still continuing to use voice manipulation and says danny boy which is what harrigan calls him and so he's like mike and he turns around and falls before catching the the spear and then the predator scoops him up drags him off and kills him off screen so interesting thing about this shot not interesting necessarily it's just it's a gap the whole time danny was up there he was on his knees he was crawling forward very cautiously prize the the uh, the spear tip or whatever out of the vent he never stands up but when he loses his balance he's standing hmm. so okay just something i noticed but uh that necklace that we've been drawn to it shows it falling on the floor but yeah he gets killed off screen and <laughs> the next day harrigan is once again getting an ass chewing and this time it's from his boss's boss and they're going through this report of basically every fuck up Harrigan has had but Harrigan's captain is like okay but what about all these things he has done and so they're the he's basically being blamed for Danny's death. So, cause, so it's, it's apparent now that everybody knows that Danny's dead and they're putting all the responsibility of that on Harrigan. Um, which I don't know why they would think that he would not feel the responsibility for that anyway. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it, that's basically what carries us for the rest of this movie is Harrigan's quest to right that wrong. Yeah. It goes from a whodunit sort of into vengeance. Yeah. At that point. Because I mean, this, he, is, this is sort of the dividing line where Harrigan's, the, the force that drives him or his motivation changes from yeah. I want to know who did it to I'm going to get him back. Yeah, because it, to me, he says, you know, that they came up together 15 years on the force, which means at some point they became friends. They were really, really close. But as Harrigan's leaving um, the office, he, he sees keys and he automatically just confronts him kind of violently and is basically telling them that whoever killed Danny is going to pay and that he better stay the fuck out of his way. Basically, like, I'm going to fuck you all the way out or all the way up. <laughs> I'm gonna fuck you. I'm gonna take you outside and fuck you in the streets. <laughs> I guess it could work either way. Don't fuck us anywhere. <laughs> right? But anyway, um, so I, I can't remember the character's name, so I'm just gonna call him Baldwin, okay? And he asks, he asks Keys, he's like, you want me to take care of him, basically? And Keys is like, no, like, we need to stay on task um, because we're so close. And at this point, you still, you have an idea of what they're up to, but at the same time, it hasn't been made clear yet. And Leona and Lambert catch up to Harrigan in the hall, and they're, they're basically telling him there's no need for you to do this by yourself we're a team we can all do this together we all love Danny and so um Harrigan gives in and it's like fine go ahead keep going well what I thought was funny was that it took exactly what one day for Bill Paxton's character to Lambert, use the, yeah. Lambert to use the same argument on Harrigan <laughs> that Harrigan gave him when he was reading him the riot act when he first got there. <laughs> yeah. Like it took less than 24 hours. Yeah. Tells him. Like, he's like, remember we're a team. <laughs> Door swings both ways. Yeah. Yeah. But he does confirm that keys is not who he's saying he is. And then we see in the next scene that keys and his team are in fact running surveillance out of like a travel trailer type of thing. And Harrigan and, and his team end up going and they start talking to the medical examiner slash 
chief uh, pathologist and she's saying well basically she's been shut out of her job too like every all the stuff that she's researched that she's been trying to do they don't they don't care they're shutting her out of the whole thing and Harrigan gives her that that prong spear tip thing and asks her to look at it because it does a lot of damage it's very sharp but it also weighs nothing so she gives an in-depth look to see what it's made of and says that it's not in the periodic scale at all it's it's some new element that nobody's ever seen before so Harrigan decides that he's going to set up a meeting with King Willie, the leader of the Jamaican cartel. And we kind of, and he he's talking to, and as uh, Harrigan and Lambert are talking outside and separating because Harrigan's going off with King Willie's crew um, and Harrigan, not Harrigan, Lambert's going off to do more inv- investigating on Keys. We see that the predator, and we actually do get to see him now, see all of him. He is watching them from the rooftops. Well, at some point in there, didn't Lambert tell him that the girl from the ho- the penthouse or wherever it was where the Colombian drug lord was killed, that she never made it to the hospital? Mm-hmm. That the same silver helicopter that they had seen Keys get out of is the one they loaded her in. Yeah. So so. Yeah. So we end up getting the next scene we cut to this alley where Harrigan is being dropped off. And this is probably my favorite scene of the entire movie. It's so fucking good. And they hotboxed the shit out of Harrigan <laughs> on the way there. He would have been so high. That conversation would not have gone the way it was filmed. They did. He, he would have been so high. <laughs> he should have been all the way fucked up for sure. I don't sure. know how he was standing when he got out of that car. Yeah. He even tells us, guys, you guys need to cut back. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, basically they're talking and he's like, look, you and I have a common enemy. Basically, these guys are killing your, or this thing is killing your guys. He's killing my guys. What is it? What's going on? And this is a, this is a scene that uh, Aiden and I always like to quote because he's like, I don't know who he is. I only know where he is. It's from the auto <laughs> so me and Aiden, we always quote that and we always laugh about it. But he he doesn't really tell him anything. He doesn't give him anything to help him. Well, there's nothing he would actually know. Yeah. So he just tells him, this is dread, truly dread. And tells him, like, go off, police man. Like, nothing I can do for you here. And then we see, oh my God, I, I can't even, I don't know that I'm ever going to do this scene justice. But Predator comes out and of course he's still in his, in his camouflage and we just see his steps thudding through a puddle and with the music swelling because we do have uh alan silvestri return to this movie and so it's the same score but it feels so much bigger for some reason it's like he took it and made it bigger so yeah you see him walking through this puddle and then his footsteps just thud 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 heavy Yes, footsteps. it's very fucking intimidating. And we see that because he's walking through water and it was the same thing in the first film, he landed in this, you know, body of water that caused his uh, camouflage to go a wonky. Same thing this time. He's walked through the puddle and it's causing this electric electricity to go through him and stuff. And he stops right in front of King Willie and we pan down to the water at his feet and it shows his reflection. So he's standing there in all of his glory and he just kind of gets in the stance like, I'm about to fuck you up. Like spreads his arms and fingers out and he's ready to attack. Well, because King Willie has drawn his cane sword. Yes. Or whatever. And that seems to be what the Predator likes. They like the hand-to-hand. Yes. Like showdown type of thing. Yeah. So we get those two facing off or they're about to face off. <laughs> then we just hear screaming and it, it's, it, we see King Willie screaming face only it's no longer attached to his body. <laughs> that, that got a lot of criticism too. They're like, it's a severed head. How's he screaming? Well, it's just a carryover from the scene before. Yes. It's not a screaming severed head. <laughs> yes. Um, 
I feel like that's kind of a no-brainer, but I'm, I know. But who am that, I to judge? You don't know how many comments <laughs> I found about that. Yeah, like there, he doesn't have lungs attached to his head, so he couldn't. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just shut up! You're thinking about it too much. But this was what ultimately influenced my decision on still considering this horror because the first time I ever saw this scene, it scared the shit out of me. From that moment of him going walking through that puddle to the severed head and to this scene where he is cleaning that head to turn his skull into a trophy scared the shit out of me. Like, you don't even know how bad that scared me. Like, that was that was a scene that was almost one of those ones that sticks with you for life because it was traumatizing to me. So I'm sure not a lot of people, but again, horror is subjective. So we see that he takes the skull and we see him put it almost like on a shrine type thing. But it doesn't expand on the shot to see where it is. It's just his trophy case. Yes. And so we we cut back to our team talking and trying to go through everything. And they're basically telling him like, whoever this is, they're playing with you. They're fucking with you. And the medical examiner has on her own, you know, doing her own work. She has tracked the predator to Slaughterhouse there in the city somewhere. And then we cut to... <laughs> He, he's kind of, Harrigan is kind of slowly figuring this out. Like, not not very quick, but he is well, kind of... he doesn't have a lot to go on. Yeah, but you see him standing outside and he happens to come across either this hunting type store or taxidermy display or something. And you can see that the wheels are turning in his head about prey and hunting and stuff. This is just where he kind of starts to put it together. I think. Yes. Um, but he ends up going to the cemetery to go see Danny's grave. And there's another family that's at that cemetery. And this part is pretty creepy in my mind too, is that we see this little boy running around the cemetery and he's got this big plastic gun that he's pretending to shoot with. And the predator, or he happens upon on the predator and he's camouflaged camo. but the boy still sees him like he recognizes that there's something there and he offers him a piece of candy and which is cute and the predator leaves him alone but not before taking that phrase in his mind and scanning the boy with, with his, his, with his shoulder cannon yes and, it, and he does the view change thing and he sees that it's not a real gun yes and then yeah he starts playing back in his hand he starts playing back in his head wants some candy and it's so fucking creepy that's the creepiest part I yes <laughs> it didn't hit me in the first predator but it's creepier in this one i think yes i mean i would say it was creepy when he was mimicking billy's laugh at the end with the self-destruct scene because got that remember is a very vincent price style laugh but um but the little boy runs off and he's saying he's, he saw a ghost but it's kind of it made me think back to the first one where after blaine has died and mac is you know they've got this very sad music playing and they have a reprise in this movie of that same music only it's Harrigan talking to Danny at his grave. And as he's leaving the grave, he happens upon Danny's necklace hanging in a tree. And then we hear, want some candy. And Harrigan pulls out his gun, like, you know, but there's there's nothing there, obviously. The next, we come to a re another really cool scene. And that is that Leona and Lambert are in Subway. And, you know, it's been a long day, obviously. They're still out doing their legwork or whatever. But then some shit kind of starts to break out there. We've got um, some guys that are kind of picking on a girl. And then once they're done with her, they go over to this guy and, you know, they try to rob him. But the guy pulls out a gun and everybody in the fucking subway, just every, it's like Texas. Everybody's fucking loaded for bear for so 
some I was reason. Thinking, this could be a subway in Texas <laughs> if we had subways. If we had subways, yeah. But the predator, you know, ends up showing up. He falls on top of the subway car, jumps on top of the subway car, and makes his way in and basically slaughters everyone inside the subway car. It's a fucking awesome scene. And there are a few survivors, and Leona is leading them out, trying to get them out of harm's way. And meanwhile, we have Lambert very valiantly trying to make a stand against the predator. And I always hate this scene. I do. Dude, like he, I hate it so he, much. He go he shoots till he doesn't have any more bullets. He yeah. throws his rubber ball <laughs> at the predator and then he, he gets a machete. I guess it came off of one of the dead gang members. Yeah. Or punks or whatever. Yeah. Like the dude stands his ground. I gotta give him credit for that. Yeah. And that was one of the criticisms for this movie was you don't spend enough time with these characters to form any attachments to him. And that is such bullshit it because I remember the first time watching this movie I was so sad about Lambert getting killed because he was funny and yeah his jokes were kind of on the tasteless side a la Shane Black in the first one but one not as crude and two he was still likable enough by himself that you really didn't want to see anything bad happen to his character at least I didn't it's fucking Bill Paxton guys well in this sequence specifically he has Leona go on to safety right she she keeps moving through the cars away from the threat and he positions himself in between her and whatever this is because they don't know and gives his life to or he, he dies for trying to protect someone he's known for A two day. days yeah so and i still felt that when i watched the movie I, yeah. I didn't feel like i didn't get to spend enough time with him and, and i think it made it made it more impactful like if you'd had this thing where they were together for six months over the course of this movie and mm-hmm. whatever it made to me it made it more impactful that he's basically dying for someone he doesn't know right yeah absolutely so, anyway I, I bought this sequence yeah maybe i'm an, maybe i'm an easy sell maybe i'm a cheap date i don't know yeah but but you see that she's had a change of heart about him, too, because she immediately, once she knows people are off the train, she immediately goes back to try to find him. And, of course, once she does find him, she sees that he's dead. He's hanging upside down along somebody else. And when she turns to look out, then she's ambushed by the predator. He grabs her by the throat. He starts choking her. But he scans her and sees that she's pregnant. So we just hear her scream and don't see anything else. So Harrigan ends up showing up to the scene and we see that Leona is still alive and she's being put into an ambulance and they tell him, you know, they're they're picking up fetal heart tone. So I guess Harrigan didn't know that she was pregnant. So it seems like this almost gives him even more reason to like, fuck this. Like that's, that's it. And so he goes in and he gets, gets into the train car and he's like, he sees a superior there. He's like, what the fuck happened? And he tells him, just a bunch of random people died, you know, some gang members, some ordinary citizens. And then Hannigan makes the, the um, connection. They were all armed. So then, you know, us as an audience, we know that that's what the predator does. So when I first watched this, I was like, okay, so maybe, yes, he targeted Harrigan from the opening sequence with the shootout in the street. But watching it this time and, and watching it more closely than I probably ever have, he was taking out all the people around Harrigan mm-hmm. to draw Harrigan in. Mm-hmm. Again, maybe I'm just slow to the party, but <laughs> it makes more sense now. Sorry. I'm feeling very slow this evening. <laughs> this evening? <laughs> yes. But yeah, it made a lot more sense this time around. And I, I just, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't give this movie as much depth as it probably has. So I, I think probably the first, every time I've watched it up until the time we were getting ready to do this, I just took it at face value. So there's uh, Jim and John Thomas, is it right? Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. writers. Yes. They put more into this than I gave them credit for. Oh yeah. That, that's 
part of the problem that I have with people critiquing this movie. Which is something because apparently the script wasn't done. Like they got a, they had like a 60 page outline when they started this. So there's way more ad lib and way more like shooting from the hip stuff in this movie than we thought. And uh, Hopkins said he did like a thousand storyboard drawings for this movie. Yeah. So when you put all that together, this movie came together way better than I ever gave it credit for. We see that Harrigan has found a blood trail leading outside the train car and he goes to follow it, obviously knowing that that's probably Jerry. Uh, sorry, Lambert. His, his first name is Jerry. Going after Lambert and he does finally come upon him and the Predator as the Predator is ripping his head and spine off his shoulders. Fortunately, he's already dead. Yes, but oh my God. <laughs> This scene got me so bad. And if nothing else, it's because of the fucking sound effects in it. It's just, ah. It's very wet. And crunchy. Which we haven't talked about it, but Stan Winston did a badass job. He and oh, his team. Oh, yeah. Because obviously he didn't do it alone. Yeah. But he's the big name attached to the the effects in yeah. this movie. Stan Winston and his team did a phenomenal job. He He's one of the great titans. From there, the trophy case that you're going to talk about later, um, the skin Jamaicans in the penthouse, all of it. They did a fantastic job. Oh, yeah. For sure. And he had a whole new take on what the Predator should look like. I mean, yeah. The guy did such tremendous work on this film. And it was basically, they had a bigger budget. He was able to do the things that he was not able to do in the first film. And he changed very subtly what the Predator looked like yeah. without you going, well, fuck, that's not the same. Yeah, because I never noticed it until it was pointed out but to me. But it makes sense because all humans don't look the same. Why would all Predators be identical? Exactly. That's, yeah. And the first one died, so this can't be the same one. But he and his team did a phenomenal job on this. All right, I'm done fanboying. Continue. <laughs> so at this point, Harrigan is then apprehended by Keys and his team and he's led to that trailer or whatever that they've been sitting it's their in operation doing. center yeah whatever. doing surveillances and the predator has been running across rooftops getting away from harrigan because harrigan was in pursuit of him for a few minutes and then we see this really and i'm sorry guys for as many badass scenes there are in the original predator this one boasts some of the most epic scenes i've ever seen in a predator film and there's the scene where the predator is scaling the side of a building and he's got Lambert's skull and spine attached to his back. And once he gets to the top of this building, and it kind of looks like the Chrysler building almost. It's kind of kind of got the same look about it. But he gets to the top and he holds up his spear in one hand and he holds up the skull in the other hand and just like screams, like roars. <laughs> And then lightning strikes, hits right in the sphere, and just illuminates him. It's so fucking cool. Like, it's it's boner material, guys. <laughs> like, if I were capable of getting a boner, this would do it. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a pretty cool scene. It was. It was. It was. So the first time I thought, I don't know what I thought about it the first time I saw it. I think the first time I saw it, I thought, why didn't the lightning just fry his ass? Like, that's the end of the movie right there. He's dead. He got struck by lightning. <laughs> and then. It doesn't have to be logical. It just has to look cool. <laughs> on further watches, on this one, I was like, is it Spawn or Batman in this shot? Is he Spawn or Batman? Because they've both done it. I and don't they recall both Batman ever getting struck by lightning. Not struck by lightning. Standing <laughs> on the building like that. Like Oh. A, you know, they, yeah. Batman standing on a gargoyle or on the, the top of a building yeah, or whatever. Yeah, they both done doing it. the same shit. And both of those came after this. Well, I'm sure in the comics, Batman's probably done that a lot. I'm eh, not, maybe. Yeah. But I'm in not, movies, yeah. this is it. But yeah, it's a pretty cool shot. Yeah, it I is kinda, so... I, could, I dig it. It is so cool. <laughs> 
But um, Keyes is basically telling Harrigan the history of the Predator. He's running down what happened to Arnold, or uh, sorry, Dutch and his team in Guatemala and saying, you know, that he and I, I, Anna, he was talking about he and Dutch and Anna surviving and getting away and giving their report. His his explanation doesn't make sense, though, because he goes into this whole thing with Harrigan about how he follows heat and conflict. Uh-huh. And he gives Iwo Jima as an example. Well, Iwo Jima was hot, but for a totally different reason. And I think the normal temperature there is like 70 degrees. So it's not a hot place. So that one didn't make sense at all. And if he was following heat, the predator would have been wandering around by himself in West Texas. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> He would have. Alone. He would have just been wandering around in the middle of fucking nothing. But, but he does, Keyes does end up divulging to Harrigan that there it's in fact an alien that, that's after them. Um, and that he's on safari for trophies. And he even says the lions, the tigers, the bears. Oh my. I like how Gary Busey gets that line. <laughs> yeah. He's it's a corny line, but I like how he delivers it. There's nuts. not anybody else that could pull it off other than him. Yeah. And the way they're talking about it, about him, Harrigan deduces or deducts like you admire this thing and they're like well yeah because not for what he is but for what he can give us so basically they don't want to kill him this is a this is a capture uh keep alive what do they call that <laughs> they want to capture and study him they want to eat his brains and take his knowledge <laughs> I, thought, I thought there was a name for that not catch and release but what's the opposite of catch and release catch and study <laughs> catch and dissect. They want to Area 51 the Predator. That's what they want to do. Yeah. And they also tell Harrigan that they've set up a trap in the meat in the slaughterhouse. And I'm not this was the part that I wasn't entirely clear on. This is where it does become a little convoluted as far as what they've set up as a trap for him. So the idea was they sprayed the whole thing down in like ultraviolet violet not violent. It is ultraviolet, but ultraviolet powder of some kind. And the predator was going to get it on him. And then when they hit it with an infrared light, it was supposed to make him light up where they could see him, even if he was cloaked. The flaw of that is that if they're in there walking around, then they're going to be getting that same shit on them. <laughs> so they would just light themselves up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. It's it's a flawed plan. But unbeknownst to them and us as an audience, the Predator, along with his new gadgets, he's also upgraded in his vision. So it doesn't matter that they've put all this stuff out. The Predator just scans through different types of, of visions in his repertoire and he can see them too. And behind, you know, in the surveillance room, Harrigan's figured this out. He's like, oh my God, he can see you guys. He's like, he's up fixing to attack you guys. Well, he tells guys. him that he's flanking. Yeah. And, and the now, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the original movie, you got Predator heat vision and when he takes his helmet off it's basically all red yeah right uh-huh the red filters through uh-huh <laughs> it's chevelle oh song. sorry <laughs> it took me a minute anyway but right yeah I, and it's so in this one this is the first where you get like the full gamut of what he's capable of yeah and of course in later entries they tell you, you know they evolve after they hunt or whatever mm-hmm. to make themselves and better, and they but. go on with this throughout the rest of the movies talking about basically every time he comes into conflict with somebody he learns he adapts you know he becomes smarter which there's no reason to believe that this predator would know what happened to the one that had the showdown with dutch mm-hmm. but clearly something got communicated maybe it was a data dump I don't know. Maybe he's like on the cloud. (laughs) But he has enhanced vision capabilities to prevent them from doing what Arnold did yes, to the other one. precisely. And so Harrigan, he's trying to break away from these guys and, and go intervene and, and probably try to save Keyes' life, but the guys are trying to stop him and he busts out of there and always <laughs> cracks because he goes, fuck yourself. <laughs> There's so much nut abuse in this movie too. <laughs> 
Because, like, Leon is grabbing people by the balls. There's people getting kneed in the balls. <laughs> Harrigan hits a guy in the balls. Yeah. Like, I don't understand what they got against testicles in this movie, but... And they're talking about the women. <laughs> I know. It's the dudes that are getting their shit kicked out of them. So, we get a little bit of kind of... This is our... Well, I wouldn't say it's our big cat and mouse scene, but it's the beginning of our cat and mouse stuff. Um, As they're going through the meatpacking... I, I was wanting to call it a meatpacking plant, but... Slaughterhouse. Slaughterhouse. Whatever. Fuck. You got some swinging beef. Right? <laughs> you, got you got some got... swinging beef. Yeah. Well, you got quarters hanging up in there. That's what they are. <laughs> yeah. It's the place where Rocky trains, okay? <laughs> yes. Rocky's Meatpacking Plant. <laughs> yeah. That's not what it's called. <laughs> and Harrigan, he has his shotgun and um, he does finally manage to get some shots off on the Predator. He sh- hits him several times. Like, like he looks fucking down for the count Which for Which is good because the Predator bit. has butchered everybody else. Yeah. And, and at one point it looks like he killed Keys. He did not. But as the Predator is lying down injured, seemingly dead, Harrigan walks over to take the helmet off and then we get a reprise of Arnold's f- famous line. And he says, or starts rather, you're one ugly. And then the predator wakes up and says, motherfucker. Motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah. So it's pretty cool. And he breaks his shotgun and they- Like a toy. Yeah. He just bangs (laughs) it on the ground and shatters that thing. Yeah. And then we see that Keys is still alive and he's like, basically- you know, I'm going to save your I'm ass. save your ass. <laughs> yeah. Um, He's like spraying him down with like liquid nitrogen or something. It's a gas, but I'm guessing it's cold. Yeah. Know. But ultimately it's, it's it's to no avail and he's only there for like a minute because then the predator throws his disc and it's cutting through all this fucking hanging beef and then proceeds to cut keys in fucking half. And that scene got a whole bunch of criticism because they were like, where'd the top half of his body go? <laughs> You see his bottom part fall down where the top go. Did it float off? <laughs> yeah, uh, it did. Because they're... Don't you so worry about it. That was one of the scenes that they had to trim to get out of an NC-17. Mm-hmm. And that was part of the interview with Stephen Hopkins was that it wasn't that they had to trim a whole bunch of shit. They just had to trim some frames here and there. And unfortunately, in that particular one, that scene was supposed to have Key's top half fall down with like guts hanging out and stuff and that was one of the things the MPAA said they had to trim up so they just cut it out it was like he said it was like 10 frames so they just cut it out so for the climax here I'm gonna hand you guys off to Travis because I in the middle of note taking I had to go do mom stuff so Travis is going to lead you in the latter half of this and I'm just gonna it's because my shorthand (laughs) on the notes makes no sense to you exactly All right, so buckle up. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, Harrigan, he, he's, I guess he's trying to just get away, right? That's kind of the, the the impression that I get, or he's trying to lead the Predator away. So he climbs up this ladder, he gets on the roof, and the Predator follows him. So he's got his pistol out with his giant laser flashlight <laughs> scope thing on it, and he's like sneaking around. You get kind of a cat and a mouse. And I get it. It's it's supposed to be a tense scene, and they break it up with a bunch of pigeons flying, and Danny, uh, Danny Glover jumps. Harrigan jumps. It's like the only jump scare in the whole damn movie. But, but I like that Meanwhile, and this is one of the things I appreciated about his character, is that he is an underdog and he is an everyman. So you get him basically narrating to us while he's going on this rooftop talking about how scared he is and... God, it's like it's like Indian. Why did it have to be snakes? Only in this case, it's why did it have to be heights? He's not quite there yet, but he's close. So you get the Predator up there, and he's he breathes through his mask and then and then puts it back down, which is interesting because in Predator One, the whole final showdown with Arnold, that Predator never stopped to breathe through their mask. That's true. And he does it. Tw- 
two or three times in this movie towards the end. He stops to, to breathe through the mask. Could it be because he's injured, though, from those gunshots? I don't know. So uh, Harrigan kind of comes around a corner, sees the Predator. The Predator's drawn his big spear and extended it to its full length. He throws it, but uh, Harrigan's able to dodge, and it kind of, like, bashes through an air conditioning unit. <laughs> so he runs over there, he grabs it, and I was waiting for him to, like, just start stabbing at the Predator or something, right? Like, this is Sparta or something. <laughs> Fight in the shade, hurl the spear at him. Yeah. That's way too many references all in one <laughs> sentence. But he doesn't. He just, like, tackles him off the side of the roof. Mm-hmm. And you cut to this this scene where Harrigan's like laying on a ledge with his right arm hanging off. The predator has got his hanging onto his his arm or his up, up by his shoulder sort of, and he's stuck the disc in with his right hand. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of struggling there for a minute. And so at this point. They're kind of stuck, right? Glover can't move because the Predator's dangling from him. He's stuck. So Glover just looks at him and he says... You mean, you mean Harrigan. <laughs> what did I said say? Glover this whole time. Okay, well, I am because I can't remember. <laughs> Harrigan is too long. No, it's not. <laughs> There's too many syllables in there no. for me. But he looks down at him and he says, okay, pussy face, it's your move. And the Predator looks back at him and says, shit happens. <laughs> and let's go with a disc and arms his wrist nuke. Yeah. Forearm nuke. So he gets his self-destruct set. Harrigan's like stretching, fighting, straining. And he manages to pull the disc out of the concrete. I don't know how he did that shit. Right. But he pulls it out and cuts the Predator's arm. It's not really his arm. He cuts it in his forearm. He cuts yeah. kind of mm-hmm. through the self-destruct yes. wrist gauntlet. Which I thought was a brilliant play. You know, because that was our big end of the first movie was that that's basically how the Predator got killed. So it subverts all expectation, the fact that he just takes this weapon out. Like, right. And did he do it intentionally or is that just the part that he could get to? Because, you know, he kind of has to raise his arm or bend his elbow so he doesn't cut his own arm off. Mm-hmm. But either like, way, oh, you're not getting off that easy this time. Right. Yeah. So he does, and the Predator falls. And he was played by a different actor at this point, right? They found a guy that was They got an a amputee. one-armed stuntman for yeah. this. It wasn't me. It was the one-armed <laughs> man. So this is kind of cool because as the Predator's sliding down yeah. the side of the uh-huh. building, he's like clawing, trying to stop himself, and there's like sparks coming off of his claws and his toenails, which, goddamn, he needs a pedicure. <laughs> Got some toenails. But he manages to grab onto this drain pipe, but it breaks loose from the wall and it kind of falls as an ang- at an angle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sends him through the window of the adjacent building, which why they'd have an apartment building right next to a meatpacking plant. I don't know. I've never been to Los Angeles. Maybe they do that <laughs> shit. I would not want to live there. It would smell really bad. But Harrigan has to pry the severed hand off of his arm, mm-hmm. which I found interesting. Like that predator, he was like, I ain't letting you go. It was a very sort of a Ash versus Evil Dead kind of thing. Like the evil hand still Mm. hanging on so then harrigan says i can do it just like falling off a log and he makes his way across the ledge onto this other pipe which is not broke and begins to shimmy down and he says it's like a 30 story log (laughs) damn (laughs) i loved that i thought it was so great and i can totally feel his pain because i don't like high i don't either either. nope (laughs) um i think at that point i would uh call the fire department I'm stuck. I need you to come get me down. I don't know. Guys, I've literally seen Travis do this. Not call the fire department, but I have seen him climb to the the roof of our house before I've been there like, oh God, I can't get down. (laughs) There's not a lot of things I'm scared of. And you can attest to this. Yes. High places are a no. (laughs) Yes. Just no. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's a lack of control. I think that's what it is. I feel like I'm not in control when I'm in a high place. But anyway, that's a different kind of podcast. So Harrigan begins to climb slowly down the side of this building using the pipe, which big balls on that guy because seriously, I wouldn't have. Yeah, I would have just I would have just laid there until I died or something. I don't know. (laughs) 
But the scene kind of goes back and forth here between Harrigan climbing and the predator dressing his wounds. So he, he he's in this, it's a bathroom. Fortunately for him, he crashed through the window of a bathroom. Yay. And he hauls out this like dish and smashes some drywall and puts it in there. And then he pulls out this vial because he's got his uh, little predator first aid kit. Yeah, I've never seen predator first aid kit before. This was new. Yeah, the first predator might have ended differently if he'd had his little predator boy scout first aid kit. <laughs> I mean, he had one. He had, he had one because he did dress his wounds in that one too. It just didn't seem to be to the same, you know, he didn't have as much in that kit. So this is the little predator Eagle Scout first aid kit. <laughs> gotcha. So he pours this blue stuff on it. It catches on fire and it turns the drywall into some kind of weird gel, yeah. I guess. So he takes his little spatula out of his first aid kit and smears it on the stump. And oh. you get a big scream. Okay. I, so I've got I've to interject here. When Aiden was, I want to say two or three years old. This was his favorite scene of the entire movie. Like, I used to sit and watch that with him when he was little. And as soon as the Predator let out that scream, <laughs> because there's a part where he injects himself. And, I'm not there yet. Okay. But then that's not the big scream yet. He just kind of roars. Two. Yeah, he just kind of roars the first time. But then, yeah, he injects himself with this stuff. And his eyes get all big. And he screams, Whoa! And Aiden would just laugh so hard. A little teeny tiny little guy laugh, but he would just laugh his little butt off. funny because he was little. He was tickled to death. And he thought that was hilarious. And so I would purposely rewind the scene over and over and over because when you hear a laugh like that, you can't get enough of it. And so... Yeah, little guy laughs are great. I cannot watch this scene without thinking about that every time. Yep. So you get big scream number one. (laughs) And this old lady comes out of her room and she's watching Jeopardy. She's all, Herb, wake up. There's somebody in the bathroom. (laughs) And of course, I guess that's the husband. And he's asleep. Yeah. This is the L rods of the Predator universe. (laughs) I was thinking that, but I wasn't going to say it. So it shows it and he's cauterized the stump. And the old lady's still out there calling, Herb, Herb. But she's like, fuck it. She goes to investigate. Yeah, Herb's not coming. And you cut back to the Predator and he's scooping out some more gel and smearing it on his bullet wounds. And at this point, Harrigan has made it down to to the, the place where he can jump from the vertical pipe that he's been climbing on to the angle pipe that sort of connects the two buildings now. And so he starts trying to shimmy up between the two buildings to get to where the Predator crashed through. And then the Predator hauls out this big ass needle. So if I was going to say there was a second thing that I really don't like, it's needles. <laughs> this is the biggest damn needle. Like it's, it's, it's like a turkey injector yeah right yeah but it's a steampunk turkey injector that's what it is and he gives him a shot in the stomach Mm -hmm. oh my god like i'm getting a little queasy thinking about that anyway (laughs) and this is where you get the big scream that aiden thought was hilarious yeah it's (laughs) i can't even describe the sound it's like you go to the old lady and she had her ear up against the door and she like jumps back (laughs) and then the predator smashes through the door i love that scene like door jam and all, he knocks the whole damn thing down. Yeah. And you see the lady stay there. She was like coming to get him. She had a broom. Yeah. <laughs> and he, I love, 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 love how pissed the predator is in this scene because he's just like think the Hulk. He's just. Oh. <laughs> Wouldn't you be pissed if you had to like cauterize your own arm stump and then stab yourself in the stomach with a turkey? Yeah, he needle? was. Yeah, he was full was on so pissed. Bad. But this lady was about to get crazy with the stick right until. <laughs> How many Halloween references can you can you pick out of this, guys? 
until the, he comes smashing out. And he just like Hulk smashes his way right on out of the apartment. He's knocking down every door. Zero fucks are given. He's just, they're not going to get their security deposit back at all. And then Harrigan finally manages. See, I got it right that time. I didn't call him. There you go. Now I can't remember the actor's name. Anyway, Harrigan <laughs> manages. I, there's only so much information I can retain at one time. So Harrigan finally manages to climb up the pipe and into the room. And good for him, too, because I still would have been laying on that ledge crying. <laughs> but Facts. So you, he, if you ever want to take Travis out, just get him in a place really high and just stand there with a hypodermic needle. Like, he'll tell you where Jimmy Hoffa is. He'll tell you where the gold's hidden. Like, <laughs> whatever. Or I'll have a heart attack and die. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So Harrigan comes out, runs into the old lady. He says, it's all right, I'm a cop. And she gives the best line in this whole movie. I don't think he gives a shit. Which, again, is another line that Aiden repeated all the time. Only tinier. Yeah. (laughs) Which is funny until he tells your mom that. (laughs) That wasn't funny. Anyway, moving on. So Harrigan follows the path of destruction to an elevator and he, he begin he like finally manages to coax himself out onto the cables or hoses or whatever that are hanging in this elevator. And almost as soon as he gets on somebody gets in the elevator and starts going down, of course he's under it. Yeah. So he's going down and you don't really see the bottom of the elevator shaft. There's just like darkness. Yeah. It the elevator it just the light just stops. Mm-hmm. Right. So he goes down as far as he can and he decides, I'm gonna let go. I would never do that. I would just <laughs> like I'm just going to hang on until the elevator gets to the bottom. I don't know what's going to happen, but... You're going to smush. He lets well, go. no, there's no floor, though. Right. There's a big hole at the bottom. Yeah. He didn't know that, though, so yeah. big balls on him. But so he but he catches himself on the lip of this mm-hmm. big hole, and he hangs there for a second. The elevator's still coming down, and he gets more scared and lets go and drops into nothing. And you don't... I think it shows the shot from the bottom, like the light coming through the hole and him falling into darkness. So it doesn't, you don't get a feeling of how, how far that drop is, but it would be terrifying for me. Anyway, so he lands on the ship. Or what the, we see is the Predator ship. He lands yeah. on top of the Predator ship, which has been under this building the whole time. Yeah. And it was in a tunnel, which is a real tunnel. It's a it's a train tunnel in Los Angeles somewhere. I had the name of it. I, I didn't write it down, so I don't know. But it's a real place, this tunnel where they filmed this. And he enters the ship and he it's a very... Oh my God. I really like this. Set. I fucking love this set. So I would almost say that if you've never seen this movie, crawl out from under your rock and go watch it. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's something about this speak says alien to me. And Ashley, I think, disagreed. But it's a very biomechanical looking ship, and it's not really Geiger, but I don't know. It it just felt maybe not this maybe not like maybe distant cousins or something. I don't know. It felt more Egyptian to me almost than Geiger-esque. But if you look on it, like on the walls and stuff, yes, it's repeating patterns and stuff but there's something biological about it i don't know they felt similar to me but he goes through the ship and he enters this room and it's got columns in it and low fog through the whole thing so harrigan's looking around this big room and he spies the trophy case and this is the first real look we get at it i mean we saw it when he stuck king willie's skull on there but you get a wide shot there's like fucking t-rex skull it's a fucking amazing shot up there and a couple skulls that i don't recognize but then there is the xenomorph skull so which, yeah, there's some fanboys out there that are like, Xenomorphs are, have an exoskeleton. They don't have a skull. I, I, who cares? I don't care. It in, was in, awesome. in my brain, it was... Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Yeah. Like, it's so fucking cool. I don't know what that sound effect was you just made, but it was really cool. There was a xenomorph skull there. Whether they have one or not, he found one and put it on his wall. And it was really cool. And then the, the net comes sort of from behind him yeah. mm-hmm. and pins him to the wall. But Harrigan's prepared because when he pulled the disc out, cut Predator's arm off with it, he kept, he kept it, it. And he's been wearing it. And I don't know, that thing is sharp as fuck. It cuts through concrete and Gary Busey's and... <laughs> 
cows. <laughs> and he's just been wearing it like on a belt around his, like as a, as a satchel and managed to not like cut, him, cut, cut himself him, in half. Cut himself to pieces. He, I he, never realized how hard it is to have yourself. <laughs> he met, he's been, he like climbed down a building and then back up and through an elevator shaft and didn't have himself. So good on you, <laughs> Harrigan. But he uses this thing to cut the wires and escape. And I think this is the only instance, well, no, because technically the alien escaped it in Alien versus Predator. I was going to say this is the only time somebody actually gets out of that net, but an, a, a xenomorph did escape it because it's acid blood anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not part of this movie. Yeah, we're not talking about that movie. I still like that movie. It's dumb, <sighs> but I like it. It has its moments. I will give it that, but no. So now we get kind of the final showdown and, and they kind of, they, you know, the predator uh, has got his wrist blade. Of course, he's only, he's the one armed man. So he's got the thing and he slashes Harrigan kind of across the stomach Mm -hmm. is what it looks like. His arm blade, that extender thing. And this is where Harrigan, his intelligence wins out over Brawn because he kneels unintentionally. You could say he collapses to his knees in front of the predator and waits for the predator approach. And just as the predator is about to to give the killing blow, right, he's going to finish Harrigan off. Harrigan swings up with the disc and stabs the predator in the stomach Mm -hmm. and starts pushing it up like to his sternum. And says, that's right, shit happens. (laughs) Shit happens. (laughs) The thing I don't understand is that at this point, the disc is making noises that it has never made in the whole movie. Yeah. Like mechanical noises, like servos whining in the thing. I don't know. It was weird. It was making these... It didn't do the whole movie, but it does it here. So, the Predator falls. He's dead. Well, you think he's dead. And Danny Glover approaches, and he's got the disc ready. And Because he ain't your normal final girl. He's going to make sure the bad girl's... Or the bad guy's dead. Right? You don't know. We never saw the Predator's genitalia. He could have been a bad girl. Anyway... Harrigan's going to make sure he finishes this fucker off, right? Yeah. And this is when the other predators uncloak oh, around him. Oh, goodness. Talk about fucking terrifying. I didn't count. There's like nine of them. <laughs> I didn't count, but there's like nine of them. Well, I mean, I'm just <laughs> estimating in my head. There's a bunch. Yeah. There's a bunch of predators. There's a you're fucked number of predators. There's, it it is absolutely fear inducing. Which the thing I liked about this, again, they all looked a little different. Yeah. I mm-hmm. appreciate the fact that they did that instead of just making predator clones. Uh-huh. Right? So again, yes, Stan Winston changed things, but I feel like it was to the benefit of the franchise that he said not all these predators look alike. And it ties in with the lore that was established with the expansive universe that's been created around oh, the predators. Oh, God, yes. I don't know if, any, if you've never been to Alien, is it AVP.com? Which one is that? There's one. Of them, there's an entire website dedicated to this, and they explain everything you want to know about the predators and their homeworld and their language. And Somebody had too much time on their hands but it's really awesome anyway so all these predators uncloak around him and he does the thing that i make it makes no sense to me at all he drops the disc his only weapon Mm -hmm. but then he says all right who's next (laughs) i love that line i love it because you don't know if he is really to the point of badassery that he really feels like he can take these guys out or if he's just trying to save face (laughs) i think he's just so exhausted he didn't care anymore yeah. Like he's got that, like, he's resigned to his fate. He, he seems really defeated. Like, he, he's, he's not going to win. He knows he's not going to win, but he's going to fight anyway. Exactly. And yeah. I really like that moment. I do, too. Like, it's not quite the Sigourney Weaver in the elevator <laughs> moment, but it's still pretty good. Yeah. Like, you got me. I'm going to fight you anyway. Yeah. I love it. So, of course, they've targeted him, right? Only now he's got, like, those little red targeting things for the shoulder cannons all over him. But then they turn him off, and these predators move in, and you're like, okay, here it comes. But they don't attack. They just pick up the body of the fallen predator and carry him off through the smoke and the older predator is the only one left standing there the one that he looks older than all the rest of them that were there his dreadlocks were longer fuck i don't know you get the he's the one in charge okay mm-hmm. that's it he's the, the predator in charge he's the head predator in charge <laughs> the h 
P-I-C. <laughs> so he, he stands there and they kind of look at each other for a moment. And the Predator pulls out this old flintlock pistol and tosses it to him. Take it. And he says, take it. Now, this is a direct pull from the comics. Yes. Because as Glover Harrigan... <laughs> turns the pistol in his hand, it says Raphael Adelini, 1717, which is explained that a predator at some point in the past had a run-in with a pirate and he gave him the gun. And when the pirate gave that predator the gun, he said, take it. Mm -hmm. So he's repeating what was said there. And then he turns and walks away. But of course, to us, myself included, who did not read the comic, it's basically just to show us that these guys have been doing this for a very fucking long time. For a long time. Yeah. So he just walks away. And he cloaks himself as he's walking away. And, you know, Harrigan's just standing there like shit. Of course, then they start the engines to the ship. And he's like, fuck, I got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> I got to get out of here. So he runs out and he's running away from the ship down this tunnel. And he dives. I, I couldn't decide if he dove as it took off or if it was the backwash from the engines that kind of blew like him he dove. forward. Yeah. And the, the ship takes off. And then it, you get a, a moment there of just sort of darkness. And then Harrigan it, it zooms in on a big pile of ash. Mm-hmm. And Harrigan rises up out of it and he's covered the dude's filthy he needs a fucking shower (laughs) so bad and he walks out of the tunnel carrying the pistol in his hand and as he exits the tunnel and there's this huge trench i guess the the backwash from the engines like plowed a trench coming out of the tunnel and he's walking out this government helicopter lands and it's the same silver one that's been you know through the whole movie and uh garber played by adam baldwin gets out and he's like what the fuck happened in there and harrigan just stares at him <laughs> buddy what the fuck happened as sorry the- i went up stephen king there <laughs> what the fuck happened but Harrigan just stares at him as these police cars arrive and Garber says, damn it, we came so close. So you don't, you know, there's no explanation to that. I guess it just has to tie in with Busey's thing about they were trying to capture yeah. and study him. But he runs back to the helicopter and Harrigan looks at the pistol and then he says, don't worry, asshole, you'll get another chance. So cool. And then you get a shot, look, presumably from the helicopter looking down at Harrigan as it kind of pulls away. And then it turns where you're looking at the helicopter as the helicopter moves further away. And you get the Predator theme. Yeah. Like the original dun, awesome dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Predator theme. And then roll credits. Yeah. So, Ashley, what do you think about this movie? I give it 10. I don't think he gives a shits out of 10. <laughs> you give it 10 out of 5 stars? <laughs> Yeah, I fucking love this movie. Um, again, not as much as the original. That those were big shoes to fill. But as a worthy sequel, absolutely. It 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 took everything that we loved about the original. I felt and built upon it, expanded upon it, and we got. I felt like we got more story and more character building in this film than we did the last. Like I said, we didn't we didn't get everything that that was so cool about the first one. You know, like testosterone overload but it was still it was still so good in what it did achieve is it for everybody no it's not but for me i do think that it stands up there as some of the great sequels um even if you don't think so yourself but if you haven't seen it you're like i liked first predator but i've never fucked with the second one because everybody says it's not very good fuck those guys go check it out for yourself i thought we had a good lead in danny glover is he arnold 
No, fuck no, he's not. But the dude is still in amazing shape for, I don't know how old he was at the time, but he was still pretty ripped for just being a normal guy. And he was a normal guy. That, that, that's the thing I like about it the most. He's our underdog. He's, you know, our average Joe. He's not anything really special. He's just a guy who cared enough about the safety and lives of his friends that he was willing to basically have this big David and Goliath match. So, yeah, I, I love it. What do you think, Travis? I like this movie. I, I didn't... <laughs> I like this movie. <laughs> well, you gotta keep it simple. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> it's it's not the first one, It, but it's not supposed to be the first no, one. No, no. Um, and I'm glad that they went this route instead of saying, okay, we can't get Arnold. Let's find another big guy to put in there. You know what I mean? Like, let's go get one of the Barbarian Brothers or let's go find a wrestler or let's get, you know what I mean? Like, we need to find some other big muscle-bound guy to put in this movie. I'm glad they didn't do that Mm-mm. because I think that would have been a real mistake. I think having a more intellectual lead was a good thing. And you might say that, well, he wasn't that intellectual. He had a gun and he shot things. And this is true, but you can see the wheels turning, him trying to figure it out and track it down. And there's a sense of urgency that, that Glover brings to the role, you know, almost a frame pursuit of his nemesis, I guess, that uh, that I don't know that you would have gotten from someone else if they had tried to recast it with just another big guy. Um, I know I've said big guy a few times. Danny Glover's not a small dude. He's, He's like really six not. one or so. And I think that if you put him and Arnold next to each other with the kind of shape that Glover was in, because you get a brief glimpse of him like changing shirts in the police station, he, the dude was in shape. He was not a small guy. I think if you saw him and Arnold standing next to each other, it would have been like seeing Arnold and Sonny Landham standing next to each other, because Sonny Landham was not a huge guy either muscle wise he wasn't massive i think they would i think danny glover and arnold not in bicep diameter but in terms of just you're, you're not gonna look at danny glover standing next to arnold and go well he's fucking tiny you know what i mean so there really wasn't that big a difference um i like the story development in this one you didn't really need it in the first one i think if they had tried too hard in the first one it would have damaged the movie but i think you need it in this one this this one predator 2 got a lot of critical flack um again siskel and ebert shit on it all over the place but i don't think that's founded there are other movies that were way worse than this one that they said were great. So you can't trust those guys' opinions. But anyway, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a solid watch. If you haven't seen it, you definitely should. We love it. You it's, may. It's a fun film, guys. It's really so much fun. You may not. What I think is good is you watch the first one and then watch this one. Just do them back to back. Oh, yeah. Because even though you've got two totally different leads, they tie together better than you would think. Like, you really can watch them one after the other and they still make sense. You don't lose anything. Which is impressive because, like I said earlier, a lot of movies where you have the original and they're so several years pass and they make a sequel and you're like okay what the hell happened between one and two and you don't really get that in this one Mm -hmm. so i I can appreciate that i feel like it was well acted well written well cast it's definitely worth a watch so i think that wraps this one up i think we both give it a solid watch yes and then next week we're going to do child's play which is going to be interesting because that's one that you kind of grew up with Mm -hmm. i didn't see it until we got together and even then i think every time you've watched it i have found something else to do (laughs) maybe i've been in the room but i haven't really watched it now i'm a brad dorff fan um, I, I like him as an actor, but this will be an interesting movie for me because I'll tell you that my opinion right now is that I don't feel like that's a very good movie. It's not for me, right? It may be for somebody, but not for me. But then we've also, uh, we had a listener that sent some requests. So we're going to take a look at those and see if we can do those after, I think. Mm-hmm. Our good friend Karima has sent us uh, some requests as well as some more uh, questions for our next episode of Pillow Talk. We're so excited to get into those and check out these requests. And as always, guys, give us those suggestions like you guys aren't stepping up i'm getting disappointed 
Well, I'm just glad that we got some ideas for movies because I, you know, when you when you say, "Hey, what do we want to do next week?" I always go back to like, "What? Okay, so what are the movies that I know you've seen, or what? Are, and, and the movies that I know are mostly big three because those are the ones that you've watched. I think the most, and I feel like that could get really boring. So it's good to get some other input. So is that it for us? Are we well, done? before I go, I want to give our shout out to our content creator of the week. And this week, because of what we were doing for our research for this, um, we ran to a channel, and I, I think I may have given the given them a shout out before but get on youtube and look up marvelous videos because they have expansive lore on the predator series they go through oh my gosh what they say it was like 33 different types of yautja like it's ridiculous um and their backstories like there's a there's a bunch of in-depth stuff on this and i have not watched it all myself i need to but we came across it and i was like holy shit i didn't realize that it's gotten you know to this point so um yeah definitely find look for marvelous videos on youtube check that out if you have any more interest in this lore so yeah i think that's gonna do it for us and we'll see you next week guys bye adios Hello, Deadites. Quick reminder that you can find us on the interwebs. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as SpookyMom83 and Travis on Twitter as TravisL80 and find our official page on Instagram and Twitter at Dead and Married. If you have any questions or suggestions for us, email us at deadandmarried at yahoo.com. See ya. I, feel I would like say 80, it follows the more... Th- 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 and on that note, guys... I guess we're going to do this thing. No? We haven't covered cast. We haven't covered <laughs> reviews. Okay, just stop it. All we've it. done is sit here and talk shit. Just stop it. Cut. Blah. Everybody Die knows. hard, color purple. Or not die hard. Die- <laughs> God almighty. Lethal weapon. <laughs> Fucking brain cells just died. Anyway, for the love of fuck, Donald... No, God damn it. <sighs> Danny Glover. I almost called him Donald Glover. God Please damn. stand by. Travis needs just a minute to collect himself. Ugh. I can't believe I just called him. It was. It was about to come out Donald Glover. God damn it. Um, that's the wrong person. It is a real person, but it's the wrong person. But I would love to hear Danny Glover say, God damn you, Michael. <laughs> just say it. Anyway. Nothing else for you here, policeman. Time to go.